Throckmorton's Delusion is a podcast comprised of three fools that write words. Each week, we share poems or short stories under a similar theme. This week, it was supposed to be monotony. If you have any feedback or want to say swear words at us, send an email to mattryanthomas at gmail.com. This is one I wrote a few years back. Um, it, it was from a book we were working on called Chaos Order, Body, and Blood. We didn't end up finishing it, but there's some really cool shit in there. Um, in Ramadan, there's like these really long prayers that go on throughout the whole night uh, called Tarawih. And this is during one of those. Uh, usually I would try to sneak out the masjid and just walk around the parking lot. Or, you know, up and down Route 59. And I, I wrote this on one of those nights because I was, I was feeling a certain way. And I just decided to start writing. Uh, it's called Man. It's very short. And it goes like this. Staples to a lamp post, spread eagled, crows in the distance against a crimson sky. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it, you could go. No, you go. You had more of a coherent thought formed than I did. It's, I was just going to kind of spitball. First of all, it's so beautifully apocalyptic, and it's, in all honesty, it's it's so dense. They're, they're very minimalist, but they're so dense, and you could really just see everything that you're trying to convey. It's, yeah, it's, that's, that one especially is a, just a work of art. I'm, I'm really glad. I'm really glad you like it that much. I'd kiss you. I'd, if, if I were with you right now, I'd kiss you. <laughs> you that have just so good. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately, my first thought goes to Jesus, you know, spread eagle on the lamppost. But like George was saying with the apocalyptic imagery, taking it into the, I guess, that punishment into the modern era. And I think what brings it forward a lot in my mind is the the image of the crows in the distance. Because it's not just Jesus on a lamppost waiting, like, perfectly, you know, with his six pack. (laughs) Um, It's... (laughs) It feels like they're just waiting for him to die. And with the crimson sky, it's it's this cycle of I don't know of life that it even he in this apocalyptic era is about to be swallowed by nature, like the rest of us. Yeah, that's I actually just added that line uh, with the crows and the crimson sky just now, right before we started recording. Um, I I added that last line because um I don't know. It felt like it felt like decent i guess but i wanted to like imply more and i'm i'm really glad you picked up on that matt because it's you know the crows you know that they'll they'll feed on his body and life will go on even though the sun is setting on his life you know mm-hmm. I, I also like the title of the poem just being man because it's like you know it carries this like double meaning where it's just like talking about like you know just like a dude but then also it's like you know, something we do a lot is just like, <laughs> just like trailing off and ending a, a, a sentence with man. You know, it's just like the last word in a sentence. That's actually fucking hilarious. Yeah, I... Right? <laughs> that's grounding it. That's grounding it in like our world. 
Yeah, yeah. more to the staples and the lamppost. <laughs> you know what? I think if um, I think if I was wandering through the apocalypse and I saw that, my first word would either be "man" or "oh, geez." Yeah. So, Gee <laughs> <laughs> <G>. Willikers. <laughs> Is that God's only son? <laughs> Is that God's favorite customer? Do my <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. If we ever get to the apocalypse, I'm stapling him to a lamppost. <laughs> <laughs> me? No, Father John Misty. Oh, Josh Tillman. <laughs> Josh Tillman. If he comes to my house one night, <laughs> he doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> All right. Um, I think I think it's time we move on to the next the next no. piece. No. Oh yeah. I think I it's time. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck, that's me. That's you. <laughs> it is you. You're the one. Okay, this one I wrote, I think, um, early June of this year. It was the midst of quarantine, and I was fresh out of dropping out of school. Entirely miserable, but coming off of it. And I think one of the things that um, I was kind of learning was horrible, is that when I was at school, it was filled with these very insecure artists and filmmakers and so a lot of the conversations i would have with people felt like it was just them trying to justify themselves and the interesting things that they had going in their life you know it felt like before you entered into a full conversation they had to tell you about like the four opportunities they had lined up to Mm -hmm. secure their career i don't know i think i was also very um uh pessimistic at the time and didn't have a lot of respect for people so I may have been condensing conversation to just bring out flaws in people where they weren't really but either way this one is called 18, 17, 16 miles to the heart of the issue or the desperate insecurity of competitive conversationalists I knew a man who suffered from chronic embarrassment on account of his premature balding His son claimed to suffer from facial paralysis, but I doubted him. He had always retorted scowls with, if you make a face for too long, it'll stick, until he heard it was just a myth, so I thought he may have been trying to prove a point. I knew a man who spent $450 on irony. His best friend watched Taxi Driver every night for a month, and they were the kind of duo to plan heists. I knew a kid who claimed he'd never work in a cubicle, but he also claimed he could kickflip out of a nose slide. Most of these guys will never know it, but on March 16th, 2013, they were all deeply in love with the same woman, who was both famous and dead. I also all thought the Heimlich was a wrestling move. A man who claimed that everyone knew about transhumanism to make the other guy feel stupid and only wore his bell-bottoms around company. An undercover cop that picked a fight with another undercover cop trying to fill his arrest quota. They went out for drinks and told the story for years. He said he had best man potential, but they both knew he was only slightly above average. I knew a short woman whose first thought after the pregnancy test was, Shit, everyone on the bus is gonna think I'm in real dire straits now. A man who set mousetraps around his apartment and claimed it was to prank himself. This is the same guy from earlier, and even his Catholic step-cousins thought he took it too far. Thank God I'm normal. I knew a guy who couldn't wait to interrupt someone else's crazy woman at Walmart story with his own and never stopped to wonder if it was the same lady. I knew a guy who laughed at the word penal. I knew a guy who spent hours researching hobbies so he could pretend he had them. He would die for love, he said, or at least do about three hours of hard labor. Unfortunately, I'm already the most interesting person I know. That's it. I rem- I remember you showing this to me when you first wrote it, and I had no idea that that was like 
the backstory behind it. I just thought it was like, I don't really know what to make of it, but it really pulled me in with like, you know, just 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 the format of like, I knew this kind of person, and like you know, sort of tying them all together in this little little neat little knot of people that think they're special but really they're not. Mm-hmm. And I also like you know the narrator, seemingly unbeknownst to himself, putting himself in that same box, you know. Yeah, that's my favorite thing about it. That's exactly it. One of the things, because a lot of these flaws that I thought I would notice in other people, I would was also like entirely critical of myself because I, I don't know. Before you know other people, you recognize those same flaws in yourself. I think a lot of the time, and I definitely fell victim to that. And I would take a lot of these stories that people had told me and my friends, and I would like I would spew those out. All the people I knew that had interesting stories, almost like swallowing them whole and and kind of stealing their stories as my own not claiming they were but like using it as an extension of my own story which i thought was almost just as bad yeah that's really interesting so this kind of like piece is kind of like an embodiment of that ideal that you had mm-hmm um i i actually really enjoy the piece and i really enjoy i i, I like the context but um I really just enjoy this piece and how how real it feels. How every character and this this goes for all of your writing. All your characters are very believable. Thank they're you. they're very tangible, um, but at the same time, the way you kind of lay them all out is is very fantastical and very surreal. It, it feels like within each of your stories is a well defined universe and its complete boundaries, and it's just phenomenal. Thank you so much. Wow. <laughs> Dude, I'll also, kiss you. <laughs> I, um, this is the episode where we kiss each other. <laughs> you know, if we ever get big, I really wanted to request that um, one of our listeners would paint a picture of um, you two kissing and me walking in and dropping <laughs> like a bag of groceries at the ground, entirely surprised. Okay, but it would be easier for them to to paint me and you kissing because there's that one really good picture of that on like Liz's Instagram. Uh, very passionate, very passionate. Um, I think my tongue was in your mouth like when that picture was taken. It was such a surprise. <laughs> it needed to be real. I had to take it to the new level. That was before I knew you were by. <laughs> wow, we're just we're just gonna put out all the today's theme is coming out. Huh? I guess I can I can edit that out if you want me to. I don't know. No, keep it in. It's funny. That's okay, fucking funny. Um, I mean this this little that this little exchange and that kind of blurb could be something that that could be integrated into into the story that you just told. Thanks. Yeah, you could I... you could put like any kind of human exchange within, it, and I think that's so cool. That's very true, yeah. It, it's a very it's, diverse piece. It's really cool how you're able to like take all these disparate little ideas and tie them into something that's actually like like super cohesive. Like I think a big part of like why it feels that way is, you know, the way it's structured as like the narrator just lifting off these all these exchanges they've had with other people, and mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just like the little like. Also, I want to point out that like one of the you mentioned that it's like a slightly modified version of the original mm-hmm. piece, and the only difference I could think was like, you know, the beginning where, or the only difference I noticed was uh, in the beginning where he, where he describes those three guys, and the one thing they all had in common wasn't the original one that they all like busted a nut within like forty seconds of each other. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Why do you I change thought, that? I don't know. I think it kind of went against the grain, and the, the line always irked me. And I think my problem with it at the end was that the, 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 the genesis, I guess, of the little story and what I thought was really interesting was that, um, I don't know, I feel like I was just trying to capture one of those stories that when you meet somebody, they tell you within five minutes of conversation. You know, it's the, the funniest thing or, like, most interesting part of them that they want you to know. And so oh. I, I was deliberately trying to undermine that and just be able to put them all in one box in that way, but it, I felt like it took away from it. It, it made the narrator, narrator an omniscient, and I didn't want that. Yeah, that's 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 definitely true. Yeah, because like, how would you know the implication that the narrator would know that 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 was always something that like kind of threw me off when I was reading it at first because like mm -hmm. you know first is first is like the initial shock of like oh we're talking about ejaculation now and then <laughs> <laughs> and then the, and then there's the second like you know implication that the narrator knows this and it's like how does he know that you know yeah it was I just like kind that. of I I appreciate the change I think it's I think it's a better piece for it. Thanks, I wrote it today. I got really self-conscious about reading this because I thought that I didn't like it about halfway <laughs> through today. And so I, I did like a lot of revisions while walking around Denver. For, um, so you said you said you wrote this at the beginning of quarantine. Was this when you came back from school at this point? This was around June, right before I revisited California in school. All right, so, uh, for the so, first did, time. so obviously you're very well aware of this kind of ideal that you had about people summing themselves up um, making themselves seem more interesting and so did you kind of use it as a way to acknowledge that you have this kind of idea in your head this kind of um i guess maybe it maybe a thought trap um mm -hmm. if you will did you kind of use it as a way to notice it more and try finding your way out of it that's a really good, good way to put it i think a lot of yeah, exactly, honestly. It's <laughs> really it. Um, a lot of what I've been writing, and there's like a couple different stories that I've scrapped because I've noticed just how pessimistic and hateful towards the characters they were. And so a lot of, I guess, my writing, which has really picked up since the beginning of quarantine, has been about trying to, I guess, create more sympathy and love for these characters because I used to just hate <laughs> a lot of the people I was writing. And so, I don't know, it's it's about... It's definitely helped me spot it in a lot more people. That's awesome. It's a great piece. Um, can I can I get the title one more time? It's called... Here, let me find it. The original title was 18, 17, 16 miles to the heart of the issue. And then the subtitle is Or the Desperate Insecurity of Competitive Conversationalists. I was gonna. I was gonna ask about about the original title. Yeah. Um, I think my my intent. It's been a while since I wrote it. That was the first thing that I wrote down before I started it. Um, I think the initial intent that I had with that was just that we were all right on the edge of understanding it at the time, because I talked to a lot of people about that problem of competitive conversationalists when I was there, but we never really got to the root of it, and I think the root is insecurity or just feeling very threatened by other people, and that compounds in on itself by everybody trying to do that, so you feel like you have to make yourself the most interesting. 
but we were never able to really fully address it because we were so much in the situation of being in the same mindset that we were always right off of it, but never fully understanding. Also, like, adding to that, I feel like that that specific problem is much more compounded by the fact that, you know, you were going to an art school, and, you know, art school is for people that are trying to make a living off of their art, and, you know, I feel like that just sort of, I guess, like, breeds a sort of personality type, you know, where mm-hmm. you you want your art to be interesting, you want to be an interesting person, hence the competitive conversation, you know, it just becomes something that, you just become a bit of a caricature of yourself, I feel, that's, that's something that I feel like a lot of, I guess, like, people that are trying to get success out of their art, I feel like that's that's a trap that a lot of people fall into. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think that's perfect. I think we should close that up. I think George should read. Awesome. All right. Um, to kind of preface this one, I wrote this one. Really, when this, I feel, I feel like a lot of the pieces we write are around the time of the beginning of quarantine or during it. And um, I wrote this one pretty much in the beginning, around the time where I would have been going back. Uh, from spring break, from spring break, um, and at the time I was I was caught up in kind of a kind of a bad crowd. Uh, I was a very busy guy in uh, a very unfitting situation, but at that point, I was very unfamiliar with a life that I once knew. And that whole idea for me is called the dirt. I felt like I was in this dirt, and a part of the dirt is being trapped within it and not really seeing yourself ever getting out of it and at some point in that hopelessness being comfortable with it so this one's obviously it's called the dirt (laughs) um and it goes like this i took the night bus across town listening to nothing i don't stare out the window or look at anything i convince myself of my own passing and attempt to breathe to convince myself otherwise I popped my shoulder back in place and went to my friend's court hearing, high, with no reasonable cause. I thought this was the dirt. The dirt is the side of the road with a throbbing pain and a numb head. The dirt is hearing an orgasm while smoking old roaches on your friend's porch. The dirt is fighting the wrong guy and walking home, going up to the 17th floor and laying on the ground. The dirt is three old button-ups, a double-wide trailer, and a complimentary bike. That's what it's like. So that's, yeah, that's it. Holy shit. That, that is, is intense. Beautiful. Oh, my God. Oh, my fucking... Dude, okay, a couple ideas. Um, The first thing, this is before I even started reading it, but, you know, the idea of, like, feeling trapped in, in this, like, you know, like, shitty lifestyle. Very, I feel like... The, the first thing that it reminded me of was like clipping self-titled album because that's like something that they deal in a lot in that song or that album a lot of their lyrics in general a lot of their song ideas have, have sought to deal with that yeah it, it especially like you know like it, it, this is inspired by Carbondale right uh yes uh, yeah. Carbondale Illinois <laughs> Yeah, definitely, like, knowing, like, you know, what kind of life you were leading there. I guess that makes me draw the comparison more, just knowing you and hearing you talk about, like, how shit it was there. I think The Dirt is a great title. I think the repetition of it. I think the fact that it links together all of these, like, 
very concise but clear images into this this I guess not monotonous but identical filth you know that you feel like you can't escape if you're looking down at the ground in in a barren field it's identical it's all different it's all speckled uniquely but it's just this grime and filth that you can't escape yeah it's the dirt (laughs) I feel like I feel like also like analogous to the dirt is like Throckmorton's delusion itself (laughs) (laughs) why are you laughing what is Throckmorton's delusion we don't know what that means yet Throckmorton's delusion is you know it's comparable to the dirt it's 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 basically what I was talking I mean George George mentioned like comfort but it's I feel like Throckmorton's delusion is lacking in comfort it's it's being trapped in an endless cycle of violence with no way out no end in sight no hope exactly Mm -hmm. I um, I actually, I wrote a different poem earlier this week that I was going to share with you guys pertaining to the idea of the dirt. And I swapped it to this one last minute because I felt like it was just more fitting, kind of given what we were, uh, we just kind of talk about on these. And that poem is kind of a, it's kind of looking back uh, through through this concept of the dirt, but with with an eye for violence. And I felt like it was, a bit too harsh and I, I really wanted to go back into this piece and really kind of get into my head with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like I liked I liked how this one like I mean I, I I don't think I've read or heard the the version you're talking about of the dirt that, that you decided to not read, but it sounds a lot less mundane than this one and I feel like that fits more with like what me and Matt were reading. Yeah, yeah. That's when we when we were kinda of talking about um the podcast and everything, I decided that it would probably be best to to kind of stray away from that one because it was a lot more surreal. I wouldn't say fantastical, but it, it was it was it was a bit more than the dirt. Mm, okay. It was like gravel. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, what I really I just thought about it a little more, and what I really like about what you guys were saying in the poem itself is that. I get this feeling that when when violence and this intense misery was just the 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 life that you were leading and the constant feeling you were dealing with, it makes it monotonous and boring in its own way when it should be exciting. Oh it's yeah, it's no longer it's no longer such like a a distinctive mark on on a day or like a week or a month. Like it is, and I guess a normal situation. I don't know. I can remember very clearly like the last fight I was in, which was like <laughs> eight years ago. But to have that become normalcy is terrifying. It, it feels awful. <laughs> I think a, a big part of the normalcy is really just kind of at some point you really go through the motions with it all. Everything gets really get, like gray and dark and dirty and at first, you enter it very uncomfortable, um, and you could enter it excited. I mean, when I when I was starting to get um, just kind of involved in a lot of things, there was this weird excitement for it, and a lot of it was because that I was looking for a purpose um, in any way that I could. But after a while, it stemmed into this fear, and then at one point, exhaustion, and then nothing. And that that's the dirt. And I guess the the worst part about the dirt is once I got taken out of it so swiftly with quarantine hitting, 
I I felt like I belonged like at that bottom point. I felt like I belonged in the dirt, and I couldn't see myself leading any other light, uh, any other life. And that's kind of what the uh, the last bar is about, uh, the complimentary trailer and the bike uh, kind of thing. Is that at that point I expected that I would just kind of stay at that point, really for the rest of my life. That's Throckmorton's delusion. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great ending. All right. That's awesome, man. Also, like, one th- one thing I, I see between your two poems and that, that was lacking in mine, just, just sort of a point of comparison, is that, you know, both of yours seem to be very much about, like, interpersonal rea- interpersonal interactions, you know? Like, mm-hmm. the dirt is, you know, just vignettes of, of a narrator's life, you know, these different events sitting on the bus attending a court meeting, you know, going up the flight of stairs, beat to shit. And then, you know, uh, I'm just going to call it competitive conversation. Like that, you know, that, that one's conversation, you know, you need, you need two mm-hmm. parties for that. Whereas mine is just, I guess, a description. I guess there is like the implication of an interaction between the crows and the crucified man, but not mm-hmm. really. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a stretch. solely existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just total isolation. It's, it's yeah, it's it's kind of like a frame as opposed yeah. to like a movie, I guess. It's like a picture. It's like a prophecy of the apocalypse. It's it's the nightmare that you remember, the last glimpse that you remember when you're waking up. One other thing that I forgot to bring up, like relating to my poem, is that like sort of like the image I had in my mind when I when I added that last line right before we started recording was like, um. George, I don't know if Matt, have you seen Fully Cooley? Um, no. It's worth the watch. George probably knows where I'm going already, but like the, the TV robot when he gets crucified, you know, there's like yeah. the fire and the crows and all that. Yeah, when he'd, he'd get into the cross pose and yeah, like, like rise up a little. Yeah, mm. I was I was thinking of that a little bit. Hmm. Interesting. You should watch Dude, Fully Cooley, Matt. I think you'd really like it. I've been watching Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy oh, Bebop fun. is really good. Cowboy <laughs> Bebop is incredible. I can't stop. I can't stop. Dude, it's, it's all great. free on Adult Swim. Really? On AdultSwim.com? Yeah. The yeah, sponsor of this episode? <laughs> <laughs> this episode's sponsored by Adult Swim. This you is going to be an Adult Swim show. <laughs> I, it it is. totally it would be. Is. You're fucking right. It's sponsored by, by Adult Swim. Yeah, we're oh. sponsored by Adult Swim. Uh, adult Swim. Swim with adults. <laughs> that's, that's a catchphrase, right? It's your their turn. Ca- their catchphrase is, walk into the locker room, <laughs> see three wrinkly dicks. You're an adult now. Adult Swim's <laughs> motto. Adult Swim's uh, slogan is, um, sorry, Link, I can't offer credit. <laughs> oh man um i think the next time we do one of these i want to be high for it 